0: Hey, everyone. I'm Mike Novogratz, and this is Next with Novo. Hey, friends. This is Mike Novogratz. We're back with Next with Novo. I've got Isaiah Jackson, author of Bitcoin in Black America, with me. Uh, A topic near and dear to my heart. Isaiah, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me, Mike. Glad to be speaking with you, finally. (laughs) Yes.
0: So you're from Charlotte, North Carolina. How does a guy from Charlotte get into Bitcoin and write a book about Bitcoin in Black
1: America? Well, it was actually kind of easy because charlotte's a big banking city and i've been known to do the exact opposite of what the crowd is doing so in charlotte when everybody was talking about banking and bank of america's here and Wells fargo's here and uh everybody's uncle or cousin is a banker uh when bitcoin came around uh studying the financial system i realized that didn't really matter and you know i, I work better alone so uh, bitcoin seemed great to me so everybody else who, who worked with banks so I thought the banking industry was the end-all be-all in Charlotte, uh that's sort of how I got the name Bitcoin Zay because I was this crazy guy running around in 2013 uh telling people twice my age that your advice doesn't matter because Bitcoin's going to take over the world, you know, just kind of You honest. were
0: buying Bitcoin down like at $100 then, huh?
1: Yep, when I started in, in 2013 about 150. Yep.
0: So I started right before you then cuz I bought at 96 and 100, but that was pretty damn early. Well, yeah, good on yeah, you. Very
1: early. Yeah, and we're still early, but uh, yeah, that's my Charlotte story. <laughs> and that's how, that's how you can learn about Bitcoin in Charlotte. Just do the opposite of the crowd, and you'll be. Yep. good. Uh,
0: I appreciate that. And so, give me your your Bitcoin career. You started buying it yourself and trading and talking about it. And how, how does that how's that evolved?
1: Yep. So I think a lot of people in the, in the industry go through the same cycle. Uh, they learn about Bitcoin and then they see the money that can be made from it, and then they instantly. Jump into, hey, maybe I can make some money in altcoins. So, for about a year and a half, two years there, I did the altcoin trading, uh, mine, Litecoin, um, you know, just getting my feet wet around that time because I still had my, you know, day to day job. So, I was doing that. And what happens is you realize that altcoins are okay, but if you're not a full time trader, uh, you don't really need to use them. Or if you have a use case for it, that's not the same as Bitcoin. So, I took from that point and realized, you know, holding bitcoin as a a savings mechanism or technology was a better way and from that point got to the point where i am now where i realized that the biggest thing lacking was education bitcoin's technology hasn't changed since i've gotten into it since me or you got into it so it's still been working it's just education and getting people to realize uh what they're actually buying or owning long term
0: and so now so you wrote this book when did you write the book
1: uh i wrote it uh in 2019 because i wanted in my opinion, to make sure it was out before the May 2020 happening. And uh, one big thing about that is the information I had, the reason I wrote it was to make it more efficient for black people to get the information about Bitcoin. But I also wanted to time it so that anybody who read about it and would be able to invest in Bitcoin would almost assuredly have, uh, you know, large profits over time Uh, because historically speaking, after a happening event, the uh, price of Bitcoin goes through a bull run for about 12 to 18 months. So I timed it that way on purpose, and I put the book out so that people understood this is something that can uh, help you and the people around you long-term. And it's not a multi-level marketing scheme, not a Ponzi. That was big in the black community. People thought it was all a scam. I had my own family members who thought I was a drug dealer now because I use Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was just miseducation.
0: How did you buy your first couple of Bitcoin? Uh,
1: I actually did it through local Bitcoins, Uh, peer-to-peer. I met a guy in front of a police station. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's
1: awesome yeah I only meet people two places when I do peer, or when I did peer-to-peer it was in front of a police station or inside of a bank and uh, you know that was just the security reasons back then it was the wild west you know it's kind of sort yes. of seedy wearing, people wearing hoods you know people you don't know who's showing up uh, it, it was fun times though
0: so when did you finally did, you know, move on to kind of the legitimate did you ever get you know Coinbase account or uh, you know how do you transact in Bitcoin at this point
1: yeah, so my first exchange that I ever used was Coinbase uh, back in around 2015. Had some unfortunate problems uh, with Coinbase. Uh, some of the OGs from back then got their accounts shut down, but uh, it helped me realize uh, how to use exchanges, how to buy it, how to send it. Um, and also, too, that you know ownership of, of Bitcoin yourself was important because you have to remember, no keys, no cheese. So if you don't own those private keys, uh, you don't actually own Bitcoin. So it was a gift and a curse, but Coinbase was the first and is the first for most people. So,
0: And so now if you wanted to buy more Bitcoin, or if you wanted to sell it, how would like, what, what are you set up on other uh, exchanges? Uh,
1: so if I want to buy Bitcoin now, I, I don't do it very often. Uh, usually dollar cost average through something like Swan Bitcoin, uh, just set it and forget it. So I don't really do hand-to-hand or peer-to-peer or use multiple exchanges. That's basically the only one. Uh, most of the Bitcoin now is through uh, acquiring it, either through you know different ways with Fold App, with Lolly, or selling goods and services for Bitcoin.
0: Awesome, awesome. And you, that original pile of Bitcoin, do you live off that? You actually spend a little here and there. You've bought yourself a car, uh, a house, or do you just saving it?
1: Uh, just saving it. Uh, I've only sold maybe five percent of the Bitcoin I've ever gotten. Uh, because I believe in myself to make money outside of Bitcoin. So it's just sitting there. Uh, it's a savings technology that is the, the key to winning in the Bitcoin space. And 99.7% of people who hold Bitcoin are in profit to this day. So that is a very winning strategy, a <laughs> winnable strategy. So I just I think like, it's saving. Like it.
0: All right. So let's talk about the African-American community a little bit, right? When I look on my Twitter following, uh, first of all, the first thing I notice, it's, 85% male, 15% female. Uh, and and listen, we got 13% African-Americans in America, but we probably have 1% in crypto. Uh, and so how how's your experience been reaching out to, to your community?
1: So initially, the first thing I always describe to the black community is the current financial system. It's hard to think about the future if you don't know what you're dealing with now, because as soon as you explain Bitcoin, the first thing they reason, the first thing they ask is, why do I need this? Uh, what does this mean to me? And uh, my pitch to them is that over time, your wealth has been uh, taken away from you very quietly through uh, inflation and Bitcoin does the opposite. And before we can even talk about making money and you know investing and people doing all these different uh, things with financial instruments, the first thing you should be able to do is save the wealth that you have, which has been a problem with the black community for years. Things that we've acquired have been taken away from us. And you know, I sort of use historical references like Black Wall Street, uh, how we built amazing communities, uh, libraries, doctors, lawyers, all of these these things. But they were brick and mortar, so they could be burned down. Fortunately, you can't burn down Bitcoin. So that is why I think the Black community has a great chance to preserve their wealth with Bitcoin. I start there, and then when they ask how does it work, uh, I basically explain it as a savings technology, and then you know they go from there. Bitcoin has a lot of niche spaces. But if you start there, they can find their way. Yeah.
0: Have you ever um, found a black brokerage firm or a, like a, like a, if you're pitching to the black community and say, you gotta go buy some Bitcoin. Right now, most when I'm pitching to new people, I say, you know, set up a Gemini account or a Coinbase account or a Kraken account or someplace where it makes it easy to log in uh, a, a BlockFi account where you can log in, get KYC and buy it. Is there a, is there, are there any black businesses in, in crypto that you could send people to? And if not, should we start one, me and you?
1: Well, that's the thing. Uh, We're actually in talks now, uh, and we can talk about this more, Mike, but we're in talks now because we said the same thing on Clubhouse. You know, we spend hours speaking and all we're doing is sending people to Cash App, to Swan, to, you know, different exchanges, Edge Wallet, which is fine. But in the black community, if we don't have ownership uh, at the end of the day, we're just repeating what we had before digitally. So we are working on that actively. Uh, Actually been working on that the last year, keeping it under wraps.
0: I'd be a 49% owner. Uh, that's kind of my philosophy. Uh, you know, Listen, I, you know, for, you know, so I do criminal justice reform and you get into criminal justice reform and it's a, it's really right. Ra- it's a racial thing, right? It's, you know, the the black community has been screwed over for a long period of time. And so as you get in, you just start unpeeling that, uh, you know, the, the real key is not ended up in jail. And so it's education, preserving wealth and, in uh, that whole nine yards. And so, uh, getting, getting the black community into, into crypto in a smart way and not in a stupid way is is certainly a goal i have that's you know that aligns with kind of the values of galaxy the values of my philanthropy and so i'd love to talk to you about it
1: that was our concern at the beginning too is man we're making everybody else rich we're bringing all these people in it's great but i'm with you mike and it's great timing
0: interesting so did is there a community that you you know do you have your own community in charlotte of five or six guys that you've done this with or have you been a lone
1: wolf uh, so yes, I do have a community here as well as in LA. Uh, I lived in LA the last uh, three years, right before I, I just came back here. Uh, so by actually by coastal, so I have people there and in Charlotte. Our community uh, online with the gentlemen of Crypto Daily Show is pretty large, and with the book tour forming that community as well. But in person, I keep it pretty pretty close to the chest. Only about four or five people that I work with directly here and in LA.
0: Got it. And so, what's your side hustle been? You see, you said originally you had another job and you were doing Bitcoin. Uh, where did you spend that extra energy?
1: Uh, I uh, first was a teacher uh, and then I got into the uh, IT world. So, um, you know, as a teacher, I was 23 teaching high school. When I started out as a teacher, I did it because I felt like I was good at it. And I have a family full of teachers. And I was fresh out of college, like I said, 23. And the way that you discover uh, Bitcoin is because most people get into it for the money. And the state that I was in is the second lowest paying state for teachers in the US, North Carolina. So the way I found Bitcoin as a computer science teacher is I Googled how can I make money one night <laughs> and I just looked up different ways. And then me and my roommates kicked around ideas and uh, one of my roommates said the word Bitcoin and I took it from there. And that was it.
0: I love it. I love it. Lots of ways into the into the space, but people seem to get sucked into the space once they're in it. And so uh, that's why I kind of lo- love the, the community organizing part of this whole ecosystem. It's just community after community after community.
1: And people like myself, who I learned from, the first black person I saw in, crypt- in crypto was Sinclair Skinner. Uh, he actually created the Black Blockchain uh, Conference. He's also the CEO of Bitmari Wallet, where they actually use Bitcoin uh, for Zimbabwe farmers um, as a portion of that. And, uh, you know, Sinclair is who I first got started in, or introduced to. But from there, learned about Lamar Wilson, uh, who he taught the first Bitcoin class for Dr. Boyce. Uh, Watkins and Lamar Wilson has built uh, companies in the Bitcoin space and actually has his company's Bitcoin uh, in Treasury as well, much like Galaxy. And uh, you know, he's a a giant in the space Uh, on Clubhouse. We have a lot of new people who came in like 2017, 2018, but they've learned so much. I would consider them great in the space as well. Justin Reedrick, uh, known as Bitcoin Vegan. He actually is one of the people I work with in Charlotte directly. He got out of prison, had a felony, very hard to get into any other industry. Jumped on with Bitcoin, learn how to trade, learn how to mine, uh, now has educational courses on all of that. And I do want to throw in, you know, a couple of Black women as well, Um, don't want to leave them out. Naja Roberts, who's actually in Inglewood, California, first Black woman to have a uh, crypto lounge called Crypto Blockchain Plug. She actually does over-the-counter sales for Bitcoin and she has a partnership with Ledger. So you can actually buy Ledgers directly from her. Um, And that's been great for the community to see Black women in person. Uh, teaching. Also, Tavanya Evans, who created Guap Points. She actually spoke after me on that clubhouse we were on, Mike. And awesome. uh, yeah, so these are these are some giants in the space and they've been doing it for a long time. Um, the problem is they're just now being known to the mainstream. So uh, yeah. I think once people realize that, it'll be less of, you know, we're all black people and more of, oh yeah, we, we've been here and we have people we can use in our community.
0: Well, listen, we are we are 100% committed to increasing our diversity at Galaxy. So you know anyone that you think would want to work here in New York City, or actually, we got a bunch of different offices, Chicago, soon to be uh, the West Coast. Uh, have them send us their resumes. Uh, we certainly, you know, both on gender diversity and racial diversity, uh, it's an uphill battle, but we're pushing hard.
1: Yeah, I got people in Chicago and New York. I can definitely reach out, see what we can come up with. I would love to. Love awesome. to I, pr- opportunity. I
0: appreciate that. All right. What well, any any final thoughts? What do you want? To, you want to ask me anything? Want to say anything to the
1: audience? Uh, so, I, I did always want to ask you this, Mike, because I've I followed you for some time. Um, what was the, the thinking when you first became a billionaire? Because I myself, I want to be that one day as well, uh, and getting you know as close as possible. What was your thinking when you first got there? Like, was it I deserve this? Was it imposter syndrome? Was it I'm rich? <laughs> like, that, like what? Just what was that feeling? Because the first million, you know that's people say that's always the best, but I'm trying to see what billion, a billion feels like.
0: <laughs> you know, you, you pinch yourself and you kind of laugh and you're like, really, really? And you don't really believe it Cause often you first make your big amount of money in equity and, you know, equity is different than cash. And so we had this company fortress and we went from being wealthy to 2 billion overnight. And, uh, but it was mostly in stock value. And so you're like, Oh my God, we're gonna have to work so hard to make sure the stock actually is worth what the stock market says it is. And you know, you get full of yourself for a little bit. You start walking around like ah, oh. and then all of a sudden you screw up, and your brothers and sisters kind of bring you back to life, and uh, they're like, you know, use the same toilet, jackass. <laughs> <laughs> and and that 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 wears off after a little while, and and but you do go through this little period where you're you know, you got a grandiosity, you're full of yourself, you're like oh. Because you'd start thinking, oh my goodness, you know, what that actually means. So we, we're in this weird world now, right? Where you got Jeff Bezos at 180 billion and Musk at 200 billion, and those numbers just, they absolutely make no sense. Uh, it worries me, right? The, the, the medicine that the central banks keep giving the sick economy, and the ministers of finance and the treasury departments keep giving the sick economy, uh, are doing nothing but creating this wealth gap at an accelerating rate. And so one of the reasons I love Bitcoin is it's a hedge versus this medicine. And even of good intention, right? Joe Biden's coming in with good intention. He wants to give everyone $600 extra. Uh, he wants to increase you know, the unemployment insurance, all things that we probably should be doing. That's getting funded by printing dollars, which are accelerating asset growth. Bitcoin is one asset, and it is stealing from the other asset pools. It is stealing from gold. It is stealing from Tesla and other equities. But that whole asset pool is growing. Right, the crypto community is about a trillion dollars, a little more than a trillion. If crypto didn't exist, that trillion would be spread out over all those other assets because the government's printing too many dollars. And so, why I want, why I think young people got in first, is because they intuit, even though if they were an economist and they didn't understand the government, there was an intuition that they knew that grandma and grandpa were stealing all the money, right? That 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 the that the that the baby boomers were printing so much because they wanted another hip replacement and they're you know, they living longer and they wanted healthcare. And so we have this generation of baby boomers that have blown out deficits to the levels that'll never get paid back. And the only way you pay them back is inflated them away. And I think Gen Z and millennials have an intuition about that. And that's why they were the first buyers of crypto. It's cool, it's a social currency. But that's why I want young people, because they're going to need it. Uh, young people to buy Bitcoin and stick it away and, and not trade it. Uh, it's the same thing you've been telling people. Like it is, to some degree, an essential hedge against this deflation, uh, this debasement of, of currency, which has all happened by the old guys. Crypto is a direct assault or a direct response to the, that generation's blowing out the deficit and spending too much on themselves and not investing enough in kids. And it's why I think it's important, especially for underserved communities. Because what happens in hyperinflations is rich guys, we know how to zig and zag, and it's the middle class and below that sees their entire life savings wiped out like this in an inflation. It's why Venezuelans love crypto and Argentinians, because they've seen it happen, and it hasn't happened in the US. And so I really appreciate what you're doing. I wanna stay in touch uh, and, uh, you know, Develop a relationship with you and your community because I think it's important.
1: Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up kids because I'm doing the same thing teaching a Bitcoin summer camp this summer. Middle, and I love school that. School, so, yep. Definitely. I, I, love uh, that. I, I think that's a perfect pipeline of talent into uh, our industry because it's some 12 year old kid that's going to eat our lunch, Mike. I've already come <laughs> to terms with it. You should too. <laughs> uh, but I want to be the one to teach that kid. So,
0: hey, tell me a little bit more about the summer camp you're doing.
1: Yeah. So, the summer camp will be a virtual summer camp. Uh, for anybody around the nation. It's based in Charlotte, North Carolina uh, with a group called Innovative Learning, a 501c3 nonprofit that I'm a board member of. They do after-schools and summer camps uh, for right now, but they're looking to bro- uh, broaden the horizons with a tech week and then Bitcoin summer camp, which I'll be teaching uh, for free. And I wanna give the, be able to teach whoever wants to learn about Bitcoin middle school and high school for free. We're also offering uh, that if you enroll your student, we will teach the adults for free as well. So just enroll. Get just your kids learn because if we're talking about generational wealth, there's no reason the kids should be able to learn about it and their adults don't understand it either because it's good for everybody. So that will be taking place in yeah. June.
0: If you need a guest lecture, I'm, I'm volunteering.
1: My man, for Thank your you, class.
0: <laughs> so you've had a great run. You're writing books and got a big community following you. What's the future look like?
1: So the future is the Bitcoin and Black America book tour this year. Uh, the virtual summer camp as well and nfts that is probably the biggest space that i will be exploring this year art music um you know the ability to tokenize your work is great for uh, our community we have a lot of creative black artists in in different areas and i think nfts can impact us just as much as bitcoin long term so that that is my main focus outside of that uh this year going forward
0: that's another thing i would potentially could work together and I, i'm a hundred percent believer in the nft market Anybody in the creative space has to learn about them. Uh, and so we're hopefully in the next month gonna announce a big venture uh, with a great partner on, on how we're gonna get into the space. Uh, but I think certainly for the creative community, it's a must. If you're an artist, if you're a singer, if you're a, any producer of creative content to really understand that space. And some people might feel like they missed out on the beginning of Bitcoin or Ethereum I don't think they have, but no one's missed out on the beginning of NFTs. It's just starting, exactly. and
1: so starting you know out.
0: it's it's a it's a perfect time to 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 dive in, spend time educating yourself, and figuring out how how that ecosystem is going to develop. All right, well, listen, I I think this was great. I like to keep these short and punchy. Uh, I think my audience, it's not big but it's growing, is going to love you, Isaiah. Why don't you talk about your uh, your own handles? How we can how people can find you.
1: On Twitter, at Bitcoin Zay, Instagram, at Bitcoin Zay, LLC, and at BitcoinInBlackAmerica.com.
0: Let's keep in touch, and uh, let's hope Bitcoin goes a heck of a lot higher.
1: Will do, Mike. I'm glad you brought me on the show. Glad, Glad I could speak with you.
0: All right.